launch in three, two, one. Go. This is a dangerous beat that we're dealing with now. Introducing the Dog Pound Daily Podcast with your hosts, Andrew Sight. I must be louder. And site expert Stephen Kabitza. If it's a blowout, Monday's podcast is going to be a bummer. But if they win, it's going to be a party. This DJ is so funky, man. Okay, let's go. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Friday edition of the Dog Pound Daily Podcast. I know last week we mentioned that we probably would take a week off because we <laughs> it was the Browns bye week and we didn't think that there would be any bombshell news, but lo and behold, the Browns have outdone themselves this week. We've got Jimmy Garoppolo news, the trade deadline debacle, as well as Josh Gordon being reinstated, but I think what we need to talk about first is that the Browns are once again or I guess continuously the laughing stock of the league for multiple reasons. Um, we've had we've drafted a 28-year-old rookie quarterback before. We've had a quarterback dress up in a wig and glasses and go to Vegas on the last day of the season. We've even had a wide receiver show up to the tarmac half drunk before a game and then not be allowed on that plane. But I think this, the last 24 hours or last 48 hours, really um, should hopefully be rock bottom for this franchise um, sorry for the starting of the monologue here. I'm joined by my co-host, Stephen Kabitza. Stephen, what, what are your thoughts on, on what's transpired over the last 48 hours? Well, I feel foolish because, jokingly, on our Monday postgame podcast, I said, what's it going to take to do an emergency pod? Josh Gordon getting <laughs> reinstated? Sashi Brown doing something horrible? Hugh Jackson getting fired? And then rapid fire. I, I feel like the Browns are like a political administration where it's like, all right, wait, a bad story. What now? Oh, Josh Gordon. We can reinstate Josh Gordon. Cover up the other <laughs> Just news. Divert the attention. Divert their attention. And that's Pick how up something it was. else. It was the Garoppolo news wasn't really something the Browns did. It was more something they didn't do. But then that led to open, not fights, but open angst between the coaches and the front office. And then two hours later, Hugh Jackson's daughter's tweeting at Mike Silver <laughs> And then she <laughs> makes her account private. And then they try to trade for A.J. McCarron. It opened the floodgates, basically, right? And and you mentioned it. I mean, Hugh Jackson's daughter is tweeting at Mike Silver. Mike Silver is obviously the mouthpiece for Hugh Jackson, saying how you know he, he's not he doesn't make any of the calls that the front office is in charge of all of this. And it's almost like he's, he's kind of saving his ass, don't you think? I agree. And I, I was thinking of something funny. Uh, other site co-expert Tom Moore in our – uh, site chat uh, some people were talking about what was going on and there was just nothing from tom and then out of nowhere it was like just this so angry at hugh jackson for putting these stories in the media because you you know he is or someone oh, in the yeah. coaching staff because who is like is the janitor like deep undercover like sashi brown left at five o'clock yeah speaking of that it's a perfect segue uh, after the Garoppolo news broke, I believe it was around 10 p.m. on it was a Tuesday night, Wednesday night. Uh, well, the Garoppolo news, point. I believe, was during Monday Night Football. You're, it was Monday Night Football. You're right. So everyone gets the alert that Garoppolo's traded for a second-round pick um, in the offseason. We had discussed you know, what it might take to get a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo away from the Patriots. You look at a, a team like San Francisco that either has made the, the realization that this quarterback class is not as good as – first advertise which seems to be the case every year 
Um, and, and they go out and get their guy that they think can win right now or, or w- at least win a few games. They're sick of being winless. You look at a team like the Browns, um, almost like a sleep at the wheel. You know, we, we had some Benjamin Albright emails stating that the coaches were there working late into the trade deadline, whereas the front office is going home by 5 p.m., you know, and, that, and that's just not a good look for a franchise already as bad as the Browns. It's weird, too, because there is also the point of if Sashi Brown's home, he's still working. But it is bad because it's the trade deadline. So at the start of free agency and the start or not the start, the end of the trade deadline when it hits, you got to be working. You got, or at least you got to be at the facility. Yeah, you're, you're supposed to be there with your coaches because there could be players that are off the radar for both of them you know, that, that maybe become available and you need, it's, it's more of just having that instant communication versus what if Sashi doesn't answer or, or being able to get in, in contact with him right away. It, you know, I, I think it's just another case of, of Sashi Brown in this Browns front office being asleep at the wheel at this Garoppolo thing, because I think early on they gave a half-hearted effort to get him in the off season. And now that it only took a second round pick, it makes him look even worse because we have three of those in this year's draft. The Garoppolo trade is something that Obviously, it's frustrating, but I don't think they were going to send him here. I think a theory I agree with, not even a theory, it's kind of happened. I think the Patriots, it was like a pseudo trade for Brian Hoyer because it was mm-hmm. like, all right, well, we'll trade you Garoppolo, but you got to cut Hoyer, and then we're going to sign Hoyer. Yeah, I mean, he's familiar with that offense. So I, I don't think they were going to send Garoppolo here to the sunken place of quarterbacks. Siberia? Yeah, but it's still – it's. It's not the point. The point is, it's like, hey, if this was a guy you wanted in the off season, go get was him. There an, even if the Patriots say no, did you at least make a the, a similar offer to San Francisco? We could send them Cody Kessler. We'll cut Cody Kessler right now. Well, the thing that I don't understand is everything that Hugh Jackson and Sashi Brown have told us from the time that they took over is that they've made decisions in lockstep, and that Hugh Jackson came here to solve the quarterback problem. Whether it's it's RG3, I understand that he, he has to take the fall for him as well as Cody Kessler, regardless of who made the pick. If you're the front office and you have a coach telling you, I need this guy to win or I want this guy to become a winning football team and you fail to be aggressive or make an offer that's worth it and he only goes for a second-round pick, I mean, that that just shows right there that the front office and, and head coaching staff are just not on the same page. And also, too, say you're Sashi Brown, the team's 0-8, you pitch this plan that Jimmy Haslam, you're fine with being bad. You say, you know what, let's get this guy for Hugh Jackson. If this guy stinks and Hugh Jackson's high on him and he's the one who wanted the move and Jimmy Haslam knows this, your job's safe. What yeah. If you have, what do they have, 12 picks or something? Yep. If you have 12 picks like and you that. send one and it's not like you're going to, like, you can land a star anywhere in the draft, but... We're talking about the Cleveland Browns, and we're treating each draft pick like the gold. I saw someone on our Facebook page comment. We, it was com- just writing about, like, oh, what a wild day it was, um, missing on these trades and all this. And it was, well, we got all these picks. We'll f- we're going to draft all these playmakers next year. I'm like, did this person just <laughs> rise from the seas? It's like, what do you mean? Well, you bring up a good point, and I actually wrote it down here. I mean, just looking at the trade deadline as a whole, I mean, we saw guys like Kelvin Benjamin go for a third and seventh round pick. We saw we got Jamie Collins last year for a third round pick. I mean, age or T.Y. Hilton was rumored to be available. If you're a guy, if you're the Browns in the first round, I think he's got three years left on his deal. You have another pick in the first round. What player are you going to draft there that's better than T.Y. Hilton? Send the right Texans now? pick. Exactly. 
you're not going to give up number one for T.Y., but send that Texans pick. You could have sent two second-rounders to Jimmy Garoppolo and still had every pick available or your original picks available to you in the draft or a pick in each of those two rounds, depending on what you give up. I think it's so frustrating that this team is 0-8 and the failure to recognize the fact that this team doesn't have enough talent to win by the front office is inexcusable. It's inexcusable. I don't think they fail to see that. I think they just don't care this year. I think it's part of their plan, but it's a plan that really doesn't work well because it leads to all this anger. You need the, you, you would need to have a coach who was assured he's here for five years, whatever. But even then, it's you don't want to lose every week. It's no, miserable. The, the plan has failed. The plan has completely and utterly failed. This is exactly why tanking doesn't work because – it's different if you tank from the sense that you're a team like the Jets that have serviceable quarterback play and you're winning a few games because you're also developing guys like Robbie Anderson. You have Bilal Powell on that roster. That's a decent defense. It's got some pieces on there. But at the same time, you're winning games. You're keeping that coaching staff intact, and you're not making these players' confidence levels so low that they're just never going to develop into their full potential versus the Browns. I mean, you're 1-23. If you're a player that came in last year, you know, you're promised this huge turnaround, and you come in week in and week out, and you're just flat out beaten by any team because you're not you're simply not good enough to win, and that, that, that can't be good for a player's confidence. Another problem, too, which is a point I've heard brought up a few times, guys like Miles Garrett, all these top picks, they're not going to resign here. If this team continues to do this with coach, like fire coaches or the front office is doing weird stuff, Miles, not just Miles Garrett, and he could stay. I'm just saying as an example, top picks who will be coveted by every team will be like, why would I stay here if I don't even know if the coaches are going to be here or who the GM is going to be? I could just go to like New England or like Seattle or some somewhere fun. Well, what happens when – so what, who do we draft in the first round the first year? Corey Coleman, Miles Garrett, Jabril Peppers, David Njoku, and whatever two first-rounders we're going to draft this year. What happens when all those guys come up for contracts? You're going to have to – some of those guys are not going to be able to re-sign. And not to mention the fact that the Browns have yet to find a quarterback. And if that guy's Kirk Cousins, which is really the only option at this point, unless you're taking a guy at the top of the draft, you're going to have to commit 20 to $30 million a year to a quarterback if you want to be competitive in the NFL. Especially in today's market, that's just the number it's going to be. But, I, but Kirk Cousins is going to warrant a max deal, probably a record deal. Be just Good. the way the market works. Give it works. to him. And, and I think that's – that's the way the Browns have to go, I think. I'm not going to give up on Deshaun Kaiser. I think he's got some intangibles. You have to at least again, try. He's a 21-year-old kid, and I just think he was not ready to, to be an NFL quarterback, and he wasn't done any favors by the front office or coaching staff. But I, I, now seeing how this all unfolded, including the A.J. McCarron trade, I, I have no uh, no belief that Hugh Jackson truly wanted to start Deshaun Kaiser week one. Yeah, I think desperately they needed a veteran guy back there, and the front office did away with them and most other veterans on this team as well. I want to talk about the McCarran trade because I feel like there's so much to unravel, and I have so some much. conspiracy theories. All right, well, what was your initial reaction when you found out that this trade was, was good? Not that it was, it was denied, but that it was maybe in the works. Or, well, I got a text like, from you that said, are you seeing this? <laughs> and I said, uh-oh, because <laughs> anytime the trade deadline is happening, I get a, a confusing text. I'm like, I'm just sitting. What's going on? All I saw was the Schefter tweet that said, Browns had a trade, like fell through. Browns didn't do paperwork or something. And at first I was like, I don't really want McCarran, but I'm kind of confused. It's, 
it was to me. I guess I'm just so used to crazy stuff happening where it wasn't that true shock and outrage. It's just like okay. Yeah, I mean, I see the – it was reported earlier in the morning by Mary Kay that that's the kind of quarterback. Obviously, Hugh Jackson likes him from his days back in Cincinnati. He was a big advocate for AJ coming out of the draft. But obviously, you're. it was a panic move. You know, for the 49ers trading for Garoppolo and all the outrage from the fans and media about it only being for a second-round pick. And maybe from ownership. Two of. Oh, probably from ownership. You know, you bring in a guy like Hugh Jackson, like I said, that says this is the guy that I want or a guy that I want, and you failed to reach out to the Patriots to to execute it. You know, you have all this draft capital. It's got to be used towards something, and you get a guy like – I see a lot of people complain about why would we trade a second-round pick for – uh, an unknown an unknown quarterback well you've got to keep taking shots at this position until you hit one and whether that's trading a second rounder for a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo or taking another first uh, like a top pick again this year and finally committing to the position for more than two or three years you've got to keep taking shots and I have no problem with them even even for a guy like AJ McCarron you know giving up a second and third round pick because that's what it's going to take to get a guy that like a quarterback in the division away from a divisional opponent as well, you know, but quarterbacks are going to come in a premium, whether it's draft picks or the, or the money. So you got to pick one. And there should be no hesitation to use some of the draft capital. I understand not trading the one or number one or number two overall pick. You should never trade that unless it's for, you know, like a superstar, but I just don't understand. I also don't understand the viewpoint of, so personally, I don't think AJ McCarron's that good. If the trade went through, I wouldn't be outraged. I'd say I don't think he's going to be the franchise guy, but I think he could at least play better than what we're seeing. But I never get the view of, well, we shouldn't trade for him or we shouldn't trade for Garoppolo because then once the draft rolls around, it's like, oh, Darnold Rosen stink. It's like, I, yeah. I never understand. I I never understand. I feel like people in Cleveland couldn't handle a good quarterback. There'd no. always be like, we, I, so, like, ooh, he's he's doing this flaw. It's like just let him play. Oh, it's the Danny Tanner rule. Oh, she has weird earlobes. We don't want her. Like, okay, well, no. You you bring up a good point. It's like, no, this city is never going to be happy with any quarterback coming out of the draft until they actually like just fall into a quarterback that plays well. They they weren't happy with Brian Hoyer. They weren't happy with Brandon Wee. They I mean, they're not happy with anybody. So, and myself included. I mean, until you find a guy that you can really just get to stabilize the position. If you look at their last three winning seasons, I think 2002, 2007, and whatever, 2000, whatever, when they were seven and four, they ended up a losing season. 14. But yeah. So, but all three constants in there are not, it's not that they had elite quarterback play. It's just that they had competent quarterback play. And that's something that we haven't seen from Deshaun Kaiser, something we haven't seen from any other quarterback on the roster. And if you can get a guy like AJ McCarron in here that played in a playoff game, I believe, you know, that's experience in there. And I'm pretty sure he's actually won won an NFL game too, maybe. But something that these quarterbacks on the roster currently don't have. He has some age, which is nice. He's a little older. He's backing up a real quarterback, worked with Hugh Jackson, knows the system at least, because it's just, it's unfair to keep doing what Hugh Jackson is doing to Deshaun Kaiser. And then it's like, all right, Kevin Hogan's going to start. All right, let's put the next least experienced guy on the roster out there. It just, it makes no sense. And someone like McCarron could at least give. Tied it over. Yeah. Tied Win it over. two games. I mean, yeah, they're trying to draw blood from a stone right now in terms of like the offense, trying to pull offensive talent from these guys that really just don't have it. And. 
<clears throat> at some point you've just got to shoot your shot, whether it's, and that's something this front office has continually bypassed, whether it's Carson Wentz to Sean Watson or even Mitchell Trubisky at the top of the draft. Like at some point you've got to shoot your shot. You got to attach yourself to one quarterback and you can't keep going around trying to get guys at a discount rate or like I said, at some point you're going to have to pay a premium for a quarterback to get a quarterback. And that's the only way you're going to be competitive in the NFL. So going back to this McCarran trade, you mentioned the, the mishap and the paperwork. Let's dig into that a little bit. What, what happened? So when all that stuff was happening, I was very careful to, to, you know, kind of wait to write about it because it kept changing. Um, But kind of the, what it seems to be actually happened, at least what Mary Kay Cabot reported after she updated it eight times. And I'm not saying this against her. I'm saying it because I'm sure she was like, wait, what? And they're like, Bengals are like, we never got paperwork. And the Browns are like, oh, we sent you we sent you paperwork. And it was like mailed. <laughs> but if, well, It's like a fantasy football tra- draft when you get cold feet and you're like, oh, maybe I won't hit this accept button real So what quick, it you know? seems happened is that Sashi Brown had his assistant – send an email to the person he was so sashi brown was making a trade and instead of sashi brown sending an email which would take two seconds he had his assistant send it and obviously the Bengals are rushing against the clock with five minutes to spare trying to get this trade submitted but all the browns had to do was cc the nfl on the email and the trade would have been fine someone working with the nfl to went oh yep that's all i would have done this happens I made like three trades in one fantasy football league, and this is that's the exact process that a fantasy football league follows. And if that's the same thing in the NFL, it took me two seconds once we agreed on it because I wanted to do the deal, shot it over immediately. Takes three seconds. And the fact that the Browns were notified that they wanted to do it at 354, and I don't know if this goes to how they execute trades all the time and they were caught under the wire or what, but I mean, for, for the front office to take the coaching staff's input and say, okay, we're going to go get you this AJ McCarron for a second and third round pick, whether they think it's, that's too much to give up or not for them to essentially sabotage the deal and have it not go through and then appeal it and be like, Oh, we tried everything we could. You know, that that's kind of how it comes off to, to people in the public, you know, given the fact that we already know there's discontent between the front office and head coach or coaching staff. And the frustrating thing is, they're, it's If they were just transparent and said we messed up or something, not an issue. But, not, I haven't heard but it's just like Browns. It's like sources from the Browns say that they did the right thing, blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, clearly someone messed up. I, the Bengals obviously wanted to make this trade if they were rushing against the clock to do it. My conspiracy theory, really quick, is that Sashi Brown was like, okay, send an email over, knowing that it may not go through may get messed up, and then he sent the appeal in because he had to. You want to cover his tracks. I want to see Hugh Jackson's face when he was told the trade didn't go through. Well, we all we saw what uh, what happened with, like, Jimmy Haslam was irate, I guess, D. on Tuesday Haslam. when that happened, and, and D. Haslam was also, you it's, know, yeah. nu- quote, nuclear from pro, pro football talk towards the front office, so... I, I read that article, I like that. It's like, she was, quote, nuclear. I'm like, what does that mean? I remember reading an article, uh, I think early on, and it was either this year or last year, that uh, D. Haslam was going to be more involved. And she's she's actually more, I would say, I'm trying to think of the word, maybe professional, but 
the 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 sense that I got from the article was that people sit up straighter when she's in the room. I think maybe she's the one that you have to impress more so than Jimmy because she's more of the hard nosed businesswoman that it's not going to take. You know, she's not going to take shit from anybody. And she knows how she knows how to run a major business. And then she yeah. sees this stuff happen. They can't even trade for a backup quarterback. When they brought in Hugh to for his quarterback experience in their front office that they just wanted to keep as continuity, they just completely put the Knicks on it. And it's like, how much farther is this franchise going to descend into the pit of misery? Dilly dilly. <laughs> <laughs> how much farther are they going to keep going downward before they truly hit rock bottom? And it, 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 I, I don't. I want to say that this is rock bottom because there's no coming back from this. But. We thought that when Hugh Jackson was hired, and now we're sitting here with one win in the last 45 games, or four wins in the last 45 games, and one win in the last last 24, (laughs) and it's like, I mean, where do the Browns go from here, Steven? I think the term rock bottom has to be relative, because it's different. It's been relative, though. It's different for the Browns, because most rock bottom is... We had playoff hopes this year. It's like the Giants. We had a bad year. Rock bottom. We'll get better. The Browns, it's like, all right, well, we're 0-16, and we <laughs> fired our coach and our GM, and we drafted Sam Darnold, who actually decided to stay in school for another year. It's just this trade, whether you like McCarran or not, I think it's a good example of just how much of a mess this is. Mm-hmm. And this group has made trades. Are you telling me? That every trade they do, Sashi Brown has his assistant send emails to people. He because why didn't they just call the bank and say, "Hey, I just send an email over." It's so easy. This is just like anything. You just send an email over. What I heard from Chris Landry is that the Browns do this of Landry football. By the way, the the Browns do this trade or that way trade that way all the time. So it's not. I mean, it's kind of an archaic way to do it, but again, that's not an excuse for you to not get a trade done. Call and check that they got the email. It's so easy. Yeah, it's so easy. I mean, just looking at so far what we've been told from Hugh Jackson's press conferences and Sashi Brown's press conferences is, I mean, these guys have been lying to us the whole time. There's, oh, there's no, we're working together in lockstep. We've got this, you know, they've, they've passed on Carson Wentz because there's a guy next year that they'll draft. And that's one thing that I have a problem with is I hear a lot of, well, let's uh, say, wait for next year and we'll draft a quarterback then. Like now look at jo- or Sam Darnold is going back to school. A lot of people question Josh Rosen's commitment to commitment to football and just his overall skill. Josh Allen, very raw, not, maybe not worth a top overall pick you know you never know what the future holds and the fact that the Browns continuously want to put it off because they don't want to you know shoot their shot is is completely laughable at this point how many times the biggest discrepancy I see is that the Titans and the Browns were at the first and second picks in 2015 yeah 2015 or the 2016 draft the Titans are now a playoff team or like close to it. You know, they're the next up and coming playoff team versus the Browns who are now a, a, yet again, another, the laughing stock of the league or continue to be the laughing stock of the league. And it's, it, when you take a quarterback that high, you've at least made your decision for the next two or three years that that's our guy until he proves you otherwise. And who knows, maybe you might find a freaking franchise quarterback that'll stick around or that might play all 16 games. You know, it's a wonder it's crazy to think that the Browns just have never taken a quarterback at the top of the draft or anywhere close since Tim Couch. Nothing past pick 22 
which is completely absurd. I see it as a if we don't go all in on a quarterback, that we can't like it's almost just like saving themselves where they don't want to bust. But I mean, if you well, take with Carson proves- Wentz number two and he's not good, it's not like that was a reach. Well, I I think what it's this is finally proven. And I go back and forth with this with my buddy all the time who, who works at Indiana. He he thinks that you need to build the team around the quarterback position. And from day one, I've been telling him that you, you got to find a quarterback first because you can't develop talent around. And as we've seen it, you know, you can't win a game, win games with inept quarterback play, which is what we've been seeing from the Browns in the last three, four, five, six, however many seasons. You look at the he's a Bears fan, so I, I use it against him all the time. The Bears drafted Trubisky, didn't ask him to do too much, pounded the run, utilized their defense, and actually won a few games and now probably saved their coaching staff and front office's job because while they pro- they have more moves to make and it, it's a good start, it's not finished yet, but they're in they're going in the right direction. And the Browns did the opposite approach, continue to put off drafting a quarterback and and putting emphasis on that position, and now we're looking at another regime change. And probably quarterbacks at the top of the draft are looking, well, maybe going back to school is not such a bad thing at this point. And they got the Browns roster. I mean, it's a second round pick from this year. These are the quarterbacks. And you got Cody Kessler third round. And then Kevin Hogan was a fifth round by the Chiefs. So like, why can't we just take a guy in the, in the top? Yeah. I mean, the Panthers took Jimmy Clausen in the second round, turn around the next year and draft Cam Newton. So I, I have no problem if that's what their strategy is. But they had, and it's not like the Browns, like, it's not like Deshaun Watson went number one and the Browns traded out of that pick. Like, or with Carson Wentz, like he went number two and they were at number five and like could have traded up but didn't. They had those guys. And that's that's where I think a lot of the frustration stems from is because they had those guys at their fingertips. Their own evaluate their own evaluations were not as such to say that we should draft this guy. Same with Deshaun Watson. Had him there at twelve. Hugh Jackson obviously liked him. And for the front office, I mean, it just looks more and more like the front office is trying to undercut the coaching staff and give the and the coaching staff truly has nothing to work with. I agree. And there's so. even more to talk about. I want to bring it up before we go too far off the deep end and yell at each other about how much we dislike the front office. Josh Gordon, one of our DEFCON level reasons to do an emergency podcast, reinstated conditionally could play December 3rd, I believe, in L.A. Against the, I believe so, Against too. the Chargers. Which, they better keep him in the hotel room forever in Of LA. course no. his first game back is in, in L.A. LA. But, the only thing worse would be, like, at a bar. Like, to him <laughs> tailgating before the game, like, somewhere else, you know. Do you think uh, the Browns will cut him before that he can return? I, I hope not. I mean, I, I think we talked about it before. Like, I, I'm, I don't – it's not good for the culture, but at this point there's there's no culture left anymore. This this is over. The plan has failed. I understand that they said they want five years, but you don't get five years in the NFL. We should have realized that early on. At this point, the Browns and Josh Gordon need each other. So whether whether he wants to play here or not, he's going to be here for two years, and the Browns have no wide receivers. Like, I'm really curious who – who do you think on the depth chart that they would cut uh, to make room for Josh Gordon? Because I know that they have such a strong wide receiver room right now that I'm curious who you would think would be the odd man out if Josh Gordon uh, becomes on comes on the active roster. They're probably going to cut Britt. <laughs> they they should have cut. And that's that's the other thing too is if you you still employ Kenny Britt for all the. <laughs> 
BS that he's done this year, you can throw Josh Gordon in that room. It's no problem because as soon as the new regime takes over, I say 90% of these guys uh, that are probably gone next year. At least Josh Gordon's humble now. Kenny Britt is like, London? Hate London. (laughs) I think it's important for both sides to really, even if they don't, there is a separation coming at some point. I think it's really important for them to at least make it work for the time being or make it work until the kids graduate high school and then we'll go from there, you know? Yeah, the team is so bad right now. I understand the not trusting Gordon, but even the potential of him playing at least gives us something to watch because his team's so bad. It's like, oh, we'll just cut him. It's like, please, I would rather have him go out there, maybe fail, than just cut him because at least I could watch the game and be like, oh, well, they're probably going to get blown out again but at least i can see how josh gordon does yeah i mean even if he's running the wrong routes just send him on a fly route the whole time he's bound to get open some way i mean throw the ball up to him we saw what he did with rg3 in the preseason and i think that's part of the reason why you know there's so much still mystery behind or having him back on the field what he can do for a football team because if he was out of football like a guy like justin blackman you'd be your expectations would be a little bit lower versus You've seen what he can do, even coming off of another suspension, you know, for those preseason games. And he's just taking balls out of the air and, and really doing what no wide receiver is capable of doing on the Browns right now. The good news is, and it made me laugh, was that he was reinstated right after the trade deadline. Thank God. It's almost like Roger Goodell was like, I'm not going to let the Browns trade Josh Gordon. He's playing for the Browns. Like a sly move to help the Browns yeah. save themselves. I mean, I'm hoping more more information comes out i love the juicy stuff about what the coaching staff saying about the front office because at this point like i said this is a failed experiment if anything i think the coaching staff may salvage their jobs but if you if you're going to bring in a new gm odds are he's going to want his own guy anyway but after depending on what truly happened with that aj mccarran deal if sashi did sabotage it that's a fireable offense the funny thing is this all this crazy off the field stuff really deflects from some of the bad decisions Hugh Jackson's made um, the coaching staff in general it almost helps them that all this crazy stuff is happening because you have Hugh Jackson making just some bad just some bad game management don't you think that he's making some of those decisions though because he's put in that position by the lack of talent I don't, I don't know I think the whole his handling of the quarterbacks has been just awful but, but don't you think that that's part of the fact that he's just trying to get a win like as a coach you know that you have to win in the NFL that's the most important thing no matter how it gets done the Bears ran the ball 50 55 times in one game and they won the game he Mitch would pass for seven attempts and they won the game I don't care how it gets done you need to win a game so I think Hugh Jackson's decisions yes they have been some of them have been complete complete head scratchers but at some point you've also got to make something work and if that that might change your game plan if you had better talent on the field in order to execute yeah I don't think any Hugh Jackson's decisions are fireable I just think it's interesting that you know, an 0 and 8 coach might hold leverage over his front office because of the crazy stuff they're doing. Well, you notice in his press conferences too, he's basically undercutting them, but I think it's because they're undercutting him. Again, I, I don't think Hugh Jackson has made the best decisions, but I can't say that he's a bad coach because he has been given nothing to work with. Nothing. And we signed a bunch of offensive linemen in the offseason. They're not blocking for anyone good. You don't, yeah, you don't have any, you don't have a good quarterback, you don't have a good running back it's you have no good wide receivers so i i really don't know what what was expected this year outside of uh maybe not, we didn't expect 0 and 8 that's for sure 
True. I also think the funny thing too is I think the emergency podcast we said we'd have to have, or we expected them to be fired after like a, an embarrassing game against the Vikings versus now coming home and recouping from that trip only to have the trade deadline cause complete mayhem. And now essentially will probably cost them their job. So it's definitely been a crazy last two days. And Josh Gordon's back. And Josh Gordon's back. So, well, I, I, I think that just about does it for us. I, 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 we pretty much talked about everything that's going on. Um, I'm sure there'll be more to come. And if we have to do another emergency podcast, that means something absolutely crazy has happened. But I'm Andrew Seipt. For Stephen Kibitza, this is the Dog Pound Daily Podcast signing off.